Good worship. Boy, I like that. That was good. Amen. Worship team, uh, Nikolai was telling me during the, the week he came back from practice and he said, we're going to do that new song. So I said, oh, good. So I've been looking forward to it. I almost put it up on Facebook and I made the post and I forgot to put it up there because some of you would have known. But they worked on Covered. I just really enjoy that song. And, and well, I'll tell you what, you all pulled that off pretty good first time. Man, that was good. <laughs> nice job. They work hard on these things. Do appreciate everything that they do on, on this. And it was great seeing all the, uh, the instruments up there. We really appreciate all the time they put into these things to get these ready. Glory to God. Good to have you all here this morning. It is nasty outside, isn't it? <laughs> we were having all kinds of battles going on in here just to get the heat. I worked with the heater guy because I, I knew today was coming. You know, I looked ahead. I saw. I, said, I, I told him Sunday is going to be a hard day. He was over here three times. We were working on stuff, trying to get it ready. And we thought we had it tuned up, ready to go, as, as good as it was going to get. And uh, it struggled all day. So I took, they, they said there was no children's church next door. So I took all the heaters out of next door. I brought everything over here. And people were saying, you had a coat on today. That's because there was no heater in my office today. <laughs> we, we wanted all the heat over in here. And we're finally where we wanted to be. I, I don't know what time it got there, but it's, it's there now. And I just bumped it up a little bit more so we can go a little higher. And if uh, we can get it higher than that, we'll, we'll go. We just uh, we want everybody to be warned that we can in here. So pardon our appearance. I, uh, I told them none of the heaters are leaving today. <laughs> They're all staying here. And we're just going to have to put up with them because I, I want you all warm. I want some, uh, some things going on there with that. But it's good to have you here today that you made it out in the, in the cold. Amen. Shoveling off the, the driveway. I put a little note up there on Facebook as to how the roads were when I left. It's, it's not so bad to grip in the snow. Mm-hmm. That wasn't so, so bad. But um, uh, as long as there's not that ice thing underneath going on, that's, uh, that's a whole lot better. But, of course, it does depend on what kind of tires you have and what kind of car you got. And that all makes a... An effect, too. I've been in some cars that I won't want to drive in this kind of weather, and the one I have now, I don't mind driving in these kind of weather, but um, you all had to get out there. You had to shovel your driveway, didn't you? Yeah, I had to get out there and shovel my driveway, too. I could have gotten out without shoveling the driveway. I could just ride right over top of that stuff, <laughs> but I figured I'd make it harder for everybody else who's getting out after me, so <laughs> I went ahead and, and we did that just so they could, they could get out, but it's good to have everybody together here this morning. We're going to be over in Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. There's a first grade te- uh, teacher who was asking her students, she said, what do you do to help out at home? First grade. So one little girl said, I dry the dishes. There was another one who said, I sweep the floor. <laughs> there was a little boy, he said, I feed and water the dog. And they all went around, they were telling different chores that they did, and finally got to one, and uh, the last one, Left the little boy in the room. He didn't tell what he was going to do yet. So he said, what do you do to help out at home? And he said, I stay out of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sometimes we feel like that, right? We're, I just want to stay out of the way. I'm helping out with that. That's not helping. I just want to let you know this morning, that is not helping. We are in the kingdom of God, and we are not in the kingdom of God to stay out of the way. We're in the kingdom of God to do some things. To be involved. Talking today about serving. Titled this one, It's Your Serve. It's Your Serve. See, a lot of times people don't understand where the problem is in their Christian walk. If you, if you want to know where the problem is in your Christian walk, most of the time it's in your serve. You just, just think of tennis. Where can a person improve in tennis? Generally it's your serve. 
Their serve is the most important thing in, in tennis. If you are, I've played tennis for a little while. I, believe it or not, I was actually a tennis instructor. Can you believe they were that desperate? I used to love playing tennis. Tennis was one of the most fun games I had. And I finally got my serve down where I could go at, with, get it, go at it with some velocity. I'm not saying I was Pete Sanford's. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not, not even anywhere close to that. But I finally got to where I could get my serve down with not only some velocity, but enough of a spin, and I could just hook the line. And once it hooked that line, it would grab hold of the court, and it would go away from the people. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, it, was, it was fun. But if you're playing tennis, if you lose the game that you're serving on, you've probably lost the match. Have you ever heard the term break serve? Yep. That's what they're always after. You've got to break the serve because generally you are, it's assumed you're going to win the game you're serving. If you lose that game, it can be all over. You've got to make sure that you win that game. Now, Pete Sanford, he was one of the best ones out there. For, for He was a good server. He served, I mean, you get hurt in one of his serves. <laughs> he was nasty with, with I used to love, I haven't watched tennis in years, but he's probably one of the last ones who was uh, one of the greats playing when uh, uh, who's it? Uh, Federov, I think, right now is the probably the one of the better ones that's out there. But uh, when I was really watching it and doing some things with it, I think the last time it was uh, Pete Sampras. He was he was good. But you can always get your serve better. You can always get it better. And what happens with a tennis player a lot of times is you know the first time they go all in, they put everything into it, and if they miss, well, if you miss the next one, you're going to miss the point. So sometimes they back off a little bit on that second one just to make sure that they get it in. I don't think Pete Sanford ever did. I think he went after both just, and I'm sure there were other people out there that did that as well. But don't ever back off on your serve. You've got to make sure that we do, that, do it right. But what happens is a lot of times is we're serving wrong. We're serving wrong, and we're wondering why our life is messed up. We've been talking about getting ready for training day. We've been talking about practicing. We've been talking about training and those kind of things. And how you serve is preparing you for where you're going. You've got to get your serve down. You've got to get it down so that you can serve right. God needs you to be a servant. But a lot of times we've messed it up. We're serving in the wrong way. In Mark chapter 2, verse 1, we're going to look at three different types of group of people who serve. We're going to start off, though, this time with the good one. This is where you want to be. Verse 1 of chapter 2 in the Gospel of Mark. And again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. you imagine having a room so full you can't even get by the door? And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there, reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out to the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. 
Now, we've talked a lot in the number, last number of weeks about training days, days that you have been trained for, days that are going to be huge, days that are going to put you on the map. But along the way to get there are assignments. That God gives you assignments. And he says, Steve, I need you to take care of this over here. I need you to go over and do this thing. And you need to take care of those assignments. Because how you handle those assignments is part of your training. What are you going to do in those assignments? So I look at this and I, I, I was thinking about the people who were, were assigned to this. He had four friends who took him in. Those four friends heard that Jesus was in. They were friends of his. And they decided, you need to get healed. Jesus is the guy who can do it. And they received an assignment. Whether they received it from God, whether they just received that out of compassion for the man, however it was, I'm kind of on the, on, in the inclination to think they received it from God. God said, get that man over to the meeting. And these four guys came on over carrying the paralytic to the meeting. And they get to the meeting, and what do they find? Can't get in, it's full. Now, a lot of people, when they have an assignment, and they come to the place and it's full, what do they do? Hey, you know, we gave it a shot. And gave it our best shot. We got you here. We, did, we can't get you in. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what we can do. We, we'd love to. We, we're here. I don't know what else we could do. And they would give up. And they would, they would stop. You see, God is looking for people who get it done. God is looking for people who find a way to get it done. Are you one of those kind of people that if God says, I need this done, you'll get it done? Or you be one of those kind of people who go to God and say, well, God, I gave it a shot. I tried, but, you know, it's just so hard. You know, it's just, and well, the people, they were in my way. You know, and, well, they weren't very nice to me there. And, I, well, you know, I just wasn't in the mood. Uh, yeah, tomorrow, yeah, hit me up with it tomorrow. You know, I'll, I'll see about doing it tomorrow. But I'm not, in, not really in the mood today. I don't really want to. That's always a problem, isn't it? I don't really want to. Other things are coming up. And, uh, and see, that's, when we're here. if you weren't here on the, um, when we were doing the salt meeting at the Covered Dish Dinner, and you missed out on part of the training we have for you, and that part's not recorded yet. You have to be here for those. But we were talking about uh, natural things and how you just need to get yourself going in the natural area because if you don't get yourself going in the natural area, you're not going to get yourself going in the spiritual area. It's imperative. What does Paul say about your body? Well, I defeated my body once. That's all I really needed to do. Is that what Paul said? What did he say? I keep my body under. It's a constant battle. I keep my body under. That means every day, your body does not take authority over you. Every day, you, you win out over that body. Don't lose your battle. Stay with it. Whatever it is you set up for your, your goals in that area, make sure you keep going with it. Because as you win that battle, you'll win the battle over your spirit. You've got to win that one first. Get over there with it. So these guys come to the house. It's full. Can't even get in the door. Got to get Jesus' attention. We've got we to do something about this. In one place in the, in the Word of God, it says that the Spirit of God was there. And he, the Spirit of God was present to heal them all. How many got healed? One. One. But the Spirit of God was present to heal them all. It means everybody who was sick, Spirit of God was present to heal them. It's amazing how many people have a disease that God gave them. 
Isn't it? It's amazing how many people have a disease that, well, God wants me to have this. He's teaching me a lesson. What's the lesson? Well, I don't know, but in His sovereignty, you know, He's, he's teaching me a lesson. I have, I've often learned that unless I know what the lesson is, I don't learn it. <laughs> have you been that way? If I don't know what the lesson is, I don't learn it. If I go to algebra class, I'm expecting algebra. If they start taking English, English I'm confused. <laughs> Sometimes you go to algebra and you think it's English because they're using letters. But it's not English, it's, it's algebra. You've got to be, gotta be know what you're learning. If God's going to teach you a lesson, you've got to know what the lesson is. We've got to serve... We've made this statement to you before. We make it oftentimes to you, trying to keep you a member of it. How do we serve God? We serve God by serving others. That's how you do it. And that's the mentality of a servant. I serve God by serving others. It's really easy for us to get off of that. And we begin to serve others, but that's not what you're supposed to do. You are not called to serve others. Understand that. That is huge. The devil takes the word of God and he twists it just a little bit. You are not called to serve others. You are called to serve God. You serve God by serving others. It's a huge difference and you'll see more of that as we get through. You got you to gotta keep that down. But you got to go to God and say, God, what is your assignment or your assignments for me today? That's where you got to get to. Will you get to God and get your assignment from God? God, what do you want me to do today? What is my assignment from you today? God may say, I want you to study. I want you to do this. I want you to help here. I want you to... He will, he'll give you an assignment. He'll say, I need you to do this if you listen. But you've got to listen to him. What is my assignment today? You've got to go to God. When God gives you your assignment, then you go out and you accomplish that assignment. Yeah, but I, I tried to do that, God, but you know, <laughs> Brother George... And he, he was a problem for me today. And I couldn't get done what you want to do because of Brother George. Well, is Brother George greater than God? If God gave you the assignment, didn't he also give you the power to get it done? Does God ever give a command? Does God ever give an assignment without also giving you the ability, the power to get it done? And what you told God was, by God, I believe that Brother George is stronger than you are. I believe his will was more than your will. Don't do that. You see, it's part of your training process. If you begin to think anywhere along those lines, you will be stopped. You'll be stopped from your assignment, and you're not trained up to where you can do it. When David met Goliath, there was a whole lot of people there who could have done what David did, but they all saw obstacles. David saw an opportunity. What are you going to see? You've got to find out from God. What, God, what is, what is your priority for me today? What is your priority? What should I accomplish for you today? What do I need to do? What can I help with today? God, do you need any help with anything? Is there something I can help you with? And you get that assignment from Him. That's who you get your assignments from. It's from God. Too many Christians get their assignments from other believers. We'll talk about that more as we get along here. Now, if you are one of those people who get your assignments from God, that you serve God by serving others, there are certain characteristics that will be there. I don't know if you ever, I saw, just saw uh, uh, this week, 
I'll have to get it. I was trying to get a page of it. I was trying to read part of this. But um, it was one of those things, you know you're a runner if. And I just saw some of the people comment. They said it was really funny, and whoever wrote this was a runner. And I thought, oh, this would be funny, because you can do some real funny things. Because I understand runners are a strange breed to, to people who do not run. To people who do not run, we are a strange breed. They, they just don't understand us. My, um, I don't know if, I don't think it shows up on anybody else's Facebook page, but my old roommate and I, we were getting into a little banter back and forth on, uh, on running. He had a picture up there, and two of his buddies, he said, captured him one morning and took him out running. He's got a scarf all wrapped around, and it was cold. <laughs> it was, it was eight, seven or eight degrees, he said, when they went out, and they were all out there running. They, uh, they did a little loop, and so we were bantering back and forth about the whole thing. And I told him, I said, and, and the thing, I says, it's funny how some people think it's strange that people like us will get up, go out in the cold, face the wind, to run around in a circle, and end up the same place we started. I don't know. It means for some people, they think that's strange, right? I mean, it takes a certain mentality to think that's normal. But, you know, it's, 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 that's what the mentality of a runner is. It, it, but if whatever it is that you do, you have a certain mentality, that most people will look at you and say, you are strange. Right? Musicians have a certain mentality that to the rest of the non-musicians, hello, <laughs> you're a little strange. All right? You do some things in the area of musical instruments that we just can't understand. Okay, you, you have these, uh, uh, these, uh, these affections with them. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll go over here and pick on Nick because he's, he's new. Nick, I've seen him carry sticks around. Normal people don't carry sticks around. You know what? I mean, that's, that's not normal. I have never carried sticks around in my life. But he carries sticks. Every time I see him, he's got sticks. He's got not one pair either. He's got several pairs of sticks in his hand. Carries them around. Is that normal? <laughs> musicians tend to go around and have ear things in their, in their ears all the time listening to stuff, listening to the music. Why? <laughs> They're musicians. See, and we'll look at that and say, that's strange. And they think, no, it's just normal. Nikolai can play the piano for hours. I can play for five minutes and I'm done. Of course, it don't sound like it. Don't, it don't sound like that when I'm playing. People don't want me to play longer than five. They don't want me to play five minutes. That's too long for <laughs> It's not, it's not right there. But, you know, we're all a little bit different. My wife was a dancer. She did things in the area of dancing that we would think consider strange. Why would you do that? But, see, it's a, it's a different mentality. You have to get that mentality. Folks, you have got to get the mentality of a servant. When you get the mentality of a servant, you will do things that the world and even other Christians will look at and say that is strange. But for you, it's normal. And that's where you have to get to. I mean, to, to you, you are normal, right? Anybody right here want to stand up right now and think, I'm, I'm abnormal? No, you think you're normal. Everybody else is a little bit off. But you're normal. Right? Brother Lamar likes to take a little ball, hit it around with a stick for 18 holes. I don't understand that. To me, that's a total waste of a golf course. I love golf courses. We had a beautiful one up by King's. It was called Briarcliff Manor Golf Course. It was a very exclusive uh, place, and um, you had to have a whole lot of money just to be a member. You couldn't just be a riff, normal riffraff and, and be a member of this club. <laughs> and so what we would do is we would sneak onto the property, and we would run on the golf course. It's a beautiful area to run. Oh, it's a beautiful area to run. We, we love that. The other place we would sneak on and run is the Rockefeller Estate. 
Oh, man, I'll tell you. I told you about that before, but they have all these horse trails. They took horses around. They were wide. They were cedared, and, uh, but they would go by waterfalls and trees, and you, you didn't even know there was cars anywhere because they had so much acreage, and you'd just get on there. And, and there was about two and a half miles. We'd have to run two and a half miles to get over to the campus or, or the, to the place where they're at, and then we could just run. And they would always tell us, only run where we tell you because if you get lost... There's no telling when. We may never find you. <laughs> and one guy, he, uh, Jerry Lee, he got lost. He came back. They tried to tr- track out how far he went, and they figured he went 33 miles by the time he came back. That's a long way to run. <laughs> Jerry Lee, he probably didn't even realize he did, did I make a wrong turn? He was a runner. He, he just loved to run, but that was a little bit too, too far. <laughs> you got to get to that place, folks. Where doing what God says is normal is normal for you. Even when everyone else looks at it and says, Man, you are weird. You are weird. Now, here's one of the characteristics of this. If you're going to be a servant, this is one of the things you're going to be doing. This is just, just the thing. Runners have certain ways they talk. Musicians have certain ways they talk. Golfers have certain ways that they talk. Dancers have certain ways that they just have a language about themselves. They have a, a way of communicating with each other, and it's, and it's pretty much automatic. You know, if I meet up with another runner, I can talk to him in a language that I can't talk to everybody else in. And they'll understand, even though we've never met before. They'll understand just fine. But here's the thing. Your report of others. How many have ever given a report on other people? Sure you have. Come home from work. I can't believe what so-and-so did. What are you doing? You're giving a report. Yep. Your report of others is mostly positive. If you are a servant of God, your report of others is mostly positive. That's just a trait that you got. I did not say 100%. I said mostly. Jesus' report of other people was mostly positive. He wasn't 100%, was he? What was his report of the Pharisees? That wasn't very good, was it? <laughs> he, he, uh, how about Peter? Most of the time it was pretty good, but every once in a while he had to make a, a bad report about Peter, didn't he? Yeah. It happened to the disciples. Most of the time he had good reports of the disciples. Every, every once in a while he had a bad report about them, didn't he? <laughs> you see, a servant of God, when they see a problem, they can spot it, but most of the time they're focusing on the good stuff. They're giving a report. It, Jesus dealt with some stuff he had to deal with. But most of the time... He's positive. This is the thing. When you get trained as a servant of God, most of the time that you report on other people, it's positive. That's just, that's just a trait that you got. Follow after Jesus on that. There's another one. You see God's blessing as promised and certain. There are blessings of God. You see them as promised. God promised them to me. And they are certain. When you go around and talk about the blessings of God, you don't talk about them in such a way as... Well, I wish that would happen for me. Never seems to. Never seem to get that to work for me. I'd like it to. It just doesn't ever. No, what do you do? Word of God says I am highly favored. It says I am blessed. This is what the word of, this is what the, but it's not happening for you. Don't matter. That's what it said. It's, it's just what it promised me. It said I am healed. It said I am set free. It said I am delivered. Glory to God. That's what you talk about. That's what a servant of God Talk. That's how they talk. That's how they discuss with each other. You see God's blessings as promised and certain. 
Now, Abraham, we talked about him in the, this, this part. He wasn't always that way, was he? He wasn't always that way. He had to get to that place. God got him there, and then things began to happen. Folks, you need to get to this place. It's imperative. Am I a servant of God? Well, take a look at the traits. What's your report of others? Is it mostly positive? If it's not, you don't have to check whether you're a servant or not. You know right then. Because this is a trait. Of the, remember uh, with the comedian? You might be a redneck if. <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't it right, though? I mean, redneck people, I, I don't even know what a redneck is. But <laughs> I know some of the things that they do. And uh, Jeff Foxworthy, I think, is the guy. I have him on my Facebook page, and I like some of the things he puts up. Because people send him pictures of what rednecks might do. You know, some ways they fix car doors. I saw a redneck barbecue one time. And, um, I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting, <laughs> some of the stuff that, that happens with this kind of, this kind of thing. Uh, misspelled signs out on the, the highway. It's kind of fun. But, see, these things will, will follow after you. Do you see God's promised? God's blessings as promised and certain? Or are you wishy-washy on it? Here's another one. Correction is welcomed. People who are servants of God crave correction. They desire it. If somebody comes along, a preacher comes along, a servant of God comes along, a prophet comes along, whoever it might be, and they see something and they, and they speak something or they just are preaching the word and they, oh, Oh, I need to fix that. Oh, oh. They see correction. They just thrive on correction. They take that correction and they adjust whatever it is. They, they don't get offended at it. This is a servant of God because they're striving to be, be better. Correction is welcomed. These folks, servants of God, are full of humility. Full of humility. They are brimming with it. They're full of humility. Here's another one. They stay consistent. They don't change. They stay consistent. They don't have good days and bad days. They don't have days where they follow the Word of God and days where they, well, you know, I'm not following that today. They don't have days where they're faithful and days where they're not faithful. They are always faithful. They're always believing. They stay that way. That's just who they are. But now think about this way. How many, uh, how many guys? Raise your hand if you're a guy. Raise your hand if you're a guy. How many days a week are you a guy? Seven days a week? Seven days a week? <laughs> do, do you ever stop being a guy? I mean, sometimes they talk about pulling people's man cards. <laughs> I understand that. But, but you really never stop being a guy, right? You, you are a guy. You may not always act like one, but you are always a guy. Same thing with the gals. You, you ladies are always, you're always a woman. You don't ever stop being one. And, and I, most of the time I talk to, to women, they're glad that they're women. They're glad they're not men. And most times I talk to men, I tell them all the time, I am so glad I'm not a woman. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what, I am so glad I am not a woman. And my wife will say the same thing. I'm so glad. <laughs> so glad I'm not a woman. See, we all, we, we're, we're glad who we are, and we always are that. And we don't desire to be. Now, there are people out there who desire. There are some guys who desire to be women. 
I don't understand. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand. Who was the, the guy in the paper now? Bruce Jenner? Jenner. Really? Yeah. <sighs> Unbelievable. But you see, you stay consistent. You stay consistent. You are always a guy. You were always a gal. Women have certain interests that men do not share. Right? And, and men have certain interests that women do not share. In our house, you know, the, the t- tr- traditionally, most of the time, it's, it's the guys in the house who like the gadgets. Right? I'm the guy who likes the fancy ro- remote control. I'm the guy who likes, you know, the, the phone that does all kinds of stuff. My wife could care less. You know, as long as I point at it and hit the button, that's all I care about doing. You know, that's, <laughs> that's all she wants to do. To do, but um, yeah, I like the gadgets. I, I like the I, I, I'm gotten just kind of wired that way to, to do that. Now I'm not sure what's going to happen to my granddaughter because right now she seems to be a gadget girl. All right. She seems to be a gadget right. girl. She really seems she knows how to work them. She gets that remote. She points it at the TV. She hits the right button. She turns things on. You know, my wife's having trouble with it. G- give it to give it to Lissy. <laughs> give it to Lissy. Let her. See, let me see if she can figure it out. <laughs> Because, you know, we're not there. <laughs> no, it's not quite like that. But, um, but she, knows how to, she knows how to work these things. She picks up the phone. Hello? She got the phone there. She knows to slide the stuff. She knows icons. She, she got this stuff down. You might have a gadget girl right there. Stay consistent. See, spirit, people who are servants, they stay consistent. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. Are there going to be a servant tomorrow? They're always a servant. They're just wired that way. This is what they do. So, that's what we should be. How many of y'all know we're not all quite there yet? (laughs) We got some other things going on. There are those who are servants, and there are those who work. I didn't put this one in your outline. I kind of add this later on, so... Um, I'll ask if we turn over to John chapter 5 and verse 1. John chapter 5 and verse 1. Christian will get it up there on the screen for us too. John chapter 5 and verse 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate of pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now a certain man was there when he had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? Jesus asked a lot of times questions that you would think that you know the answers to. Why would he be there who would not want to be made well? But he says, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked, and that day was the Sabbath. A lot of folks would like to be in the servant mode, think they are in the servant mode. They are not. They are in the work mode. These people, folks, and I'll tell you what, some of us here right now, We don't serve God by serving others. We feel like we obey the word by serving other people. And as long as we do that, we work hard. Because whenever someone has a need, 
We work on it. Whenever someone has something that has to get done, what do we do? We're there. What does this man do when, he, when Jesus talks to him about being healed? Does he see healing as a promise? Does he see it as something that's, that's sure? Well, I got no man. We're looking at work. I need somebody to do this. I, can't, I, I should be able to do this. I can't do that. We're all looking at the things that have to be done. So where most of us are. We're looking at what has to be done. This man believes in God. He wouldn't be at the pool. He knows what God does. Believes what God does. He's at the pool. He stayed faithful. Can you imagine this? 38 years you've been suffering for something and you still believe that God might heal you from it. That's pretty tough. Some of you folks gave up after five. But he's still at it. 38 years. He's still showing up. It might happen today. But Jesus comes and says, do you want to be made well? Well, you know, I, I, got, I don't have this. and Well, this isn't working out so well. We're looking at all the things that we need to have done. And it's not being done. So Jesus says to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, he could have stayed in that mentality, but he did not. To his credit, he got out of that mentality. He said, she just received it. You've got to be careful, folks, because this is, this is an area where we miss it a lot of times is that we are so used to working for things that when God says receive it, we aren't ready. And we just turn it off. He said, well, I would receive it, but again, I, I don't have anybody to put me... That was his opportunity. He, he would have just walked right away from it. He would have walked right away. We got this story in there. You know, we, there's a whole lot of stories in the Word of God we don't have. I wonder, when we get to heaven, we can ask Jesus, Jesus, was there anybody at the pool that you went up to and said that to and they, they gave you an excuse? They didn't make it in the Word of God, obviously, but I wonder if that happened. You think Jesus batted a, a thousand? I mean, I'm sure Jesus can bat a thousand, but, you know, sometimes the other people. They don't always uh, listen to that. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. This man doesn't think about, what's well, the Sabbath. This man doesn't think about, should I take up my bed and walk? This man doesn't question. He hears Jesus say it, and he does what Jesus says. The Jews, therefore, said, yeah, to him who was cured, it is a Sabbath. It is not lawful for you to carry your bed. Now, see, this is where people are who are not in the right frame of mind. These are not people that are working. There's a, this is another group. This is Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. What should they be saying? Glory to God. 38 years you've been having that. This is, this is a great day. Just because God blesses you with something great doesn't mean that people around you are going to be happy. It is a Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. How do you think God healed? If God did it, is it lawful? He instantly said, Hugh made me well, said to me, take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, who was the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, the multitude being in that place. Now, you can go on. I mean, the rest of the story here is almost comical. Because they, they, they persecute this guy. They call his parents in. His parents said, is this the guy? Yeah, well, he looks like our son. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, our son's lame. This guy's walking. But, you know, he, he has the appearance of, of our son. I can't really say exactly sure whether he's our son or not. But, you know, if he is our son and he's here, why don't you ask him? He can answer him for himself. He's old enough. We don't want to take responsibility for this thing. We're afraid of you guys. And that, it's a, just a really funny story of people who have a wrong frame of mind. 
trying to deal with a miracle. I see people who have a work mentality do this. What do you need me to do for you? That's it. The people come up and say, can you do this for me? Sure, what can, what can I do? They have a work mentality. Because they think, if I do this, God will. If I do this for God, God will come through for me. If I do this for you, maybe you'll come through for me. No, but they're always wondering about this. Have I done enough? Have I done enough? Have I not done enough for God? Maybe God wants me to do more. Maybe. I mean, I, I read 20 chapters today. Could have read 25. Maybe God's thinking I should have done more. You know, I prayed for, for a while today. Maybe I should have prayed longer. I helped 10 people today. Probably could have helped 12. How do you know if you did enough? See, if you're in this mentality, you never know if you did enough. And you're always being led about, I got to do more. I got to do more. I got to work harder. I got to work harder. I got to do more. After you do more, then you got to do more. You're never resting. Here's the, here are some of your traits. Your report of others is both negative and positive. You've got kind of a mix going on. Sometimes it's negative, sometimes it's positive. You see God's blessing as to be earned or granted. Now, in you, you'll talk like it's promised and certain, but your belief is it's earned or it's granted. I'm not talking about your talk. I'm talking about your belief. Correction is restricted. I only receive what I feel I need and from whom I want to. Mm-hmm. I've received correction, but I decide who corrects me. <laughs> I don't know who you are. You're not about to correct me. Uh-uh. uh-uh. Yes, sir. All right. I, I can receive from you, but not that. That's wrong. You, you're not going to correct me on that. Uh-uh. I don't care what you say about the Bible. I don't care what it says. Uh, I'm okay. Uh, I'm going to keep on doing that because I feel like I ought to. All right, I'll take that correction. That one, I'll, I can see I need to do that, but not that one. See, you're picking and choosing. You're picking and choosing because you've got a work mentality. You're not, a, you're not servant-based. You're work-based. God wants you to get out and be servant-based. You've got to be out there and be servant-based. You get your assignments from God. People in this category, you get their assignments from men. People. If people come up to them and they say, I have a need, what do you do? Well, I guess we need to meet it. Who said? Who said? I'll tell you what, folks, you've got to be careful because sometimes you're helping people out that God says, I want nothing to do with that one. Has God ever written people off? Yeah. He says, until they fix their heart? Nope. Don't be doing it. Why did Jesus teach in parables? Remember why Jesus said he taught in parables? Why did he teach in parables? He says, when he talks to his disciples, he says, for you it's given to know the, kings, the keys of the kingdom. But there's other people out there, I don't want them to know it. <laughs> One place it actually says, if they hear the word, they'll repent and be forgiven. Hmm. Interesting, huh? You see, if you go out there and you take the blessing that God has given you and give it to people that God has shut off the blessing from, are you working against God? Are you taking what God has blessed you with to work against Him? How far is that going to work for you? Has God given you an assignment to help that person? No, I just, you know, they needed something. I just figured, 
You need to check it out with God. Check it out with God. Just ask it this way. I'm sure that every one of us has somebody in our life that we are helping because we feel guilty. Right? We're doing it because we feel guilty. You're helping them. How much has it helped them? Have they gotten over that thing yet? Have they changed? Then is your help really helping? What should you do? What has God done? Get your assignment from God. Stop getting it from people. There are some people that you just need to say, sorry, <laughs> can't help you. There's people out there. We get them here all the, the time. I ask, sometimes I don't even want to answer the phone at church. You know why? People are calling. Yeah, can you help me out with my rent? Now, for a while, I entertained some conversations. I did all kinds of stuff along the way and, and uh, you know, trying to help them out with that. And so uh, for a while, what I was doing with people calling, I'd say, well, sure. Um, but we usually, if we help people, it's, uh, we, we work through your pastor. Who's your pastor? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, to a T. To a T. Well, I don't really have a pastor right now. I don't really have a church right now. And usually I would follow it up with, and they, they love this. Well, if you don't go to a church, if you don't see that a church is important, why are you calling a church now? They never liked that question. I got people mad at me for asking that question. Some of them even hung up. But I never understood it. If you don't go to a church, if you don't see a church is important, if you don't put into a church, why are you going to call a church when you're in? Why are you going to do it? Well, if they hung up, we got to the same result anyway. And I mean, it didn't bother me. I didn't, I didn't lose any sleep over it. They'd hang up and go away. I'm sure that they said all kinds of good things. That's all right. Do it. Do what you what you need to do. Don't do it. Because, well, you know, people in the community they'll like us because they'll hear that we help some people out, and then they'll like us. No, they won't. No, they won't. We were talking. Um, we've you know we have conversations with 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 folks, and, and uh, I'll tell you what. Sometimes we were uh, more more often than we've gotten together with other ministers, we have come to some same conclusion. And um, well, we were out at uh, we were out, we were at lunch with you, you folks, and we were talking about this. And you know, they pastored a church. We're, we're pastored a church. We, we were we were talking about some things, and we know we all know this. Every time I get together with a pastor and we talk about some of the things we've been through, we all have the same come to the same conclusions. Here's the conclusion. You ready for this? The people that you help the most will leave you the quickest. And didn't we say that? And he, in his experience, he had it. In my experience, I, every, pa- every pastor, I don't mean most of them. I don't mean 95%. I don't mean 99.9%. I mean every single pastor I have ever talked to has this conclusion. Now, the Word didn't teach that to us, but we learned it. <laughs> And so after our conversation, I was, I was meditating on this for a little while. I was just talking to the guy. I said, God, why is that going on? And, and this is what came to me. He said, you know, I taught that in the Word. I said, I had no idea you taught that in the Word. I said, you taught that in the Word? He says, yeah, I taught that in the Word. I said, man, you're going to have to show me where that one was because I don't know where that one was. And, um, and sure enough, he did. It just was a little bit veiled to me at the first time. Remember when Jesus talked about the man who was forgiven so much? He, this is what he told me. You know the story. He, uh, he, he owed a man millions of dollars. And, and he said, please forgive me. Or, or, no, he said, please be patient, and I will pay it all. And the man had compassion on him. He says, no, go. I've forgiven you the debt. 
And he went out and found somebody who owed him a little bit of money. And he insisted on him paying it. He says, this is what, what you'll see. He says, the people, make sure I get this right because I wasn't planning on getting into this today. <laughs> he says, the people who will ask the most from you will give the least to others. I said, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. The people who will ask the most from you will give the least to others. If you're looking for fertile fields to sow in, is that one? So what you should do before you sow? Ask God. God, is this something I should do? Is this a need I should get into? I'll tell you what. It has, has borne out for me. There are some people that uh, my wife and I are sometimes just, uh, you know, some, some guys I've gotten together. I have poured all kinds of time into. Gave the least. Drop you in a second. It's amazing how much that is. And the ones who ask very little will do the most. The ones who ask the least will do the most, and the ones who ask the most will do the least. I didn't know he taught that before, but he did. So we may all have that opinion, but apparently <laughs> God has seen it as well. And God has seen it as well. But correction is restricted in this mentality. I'll, I'll take correction, but I'm a little restricted on who I'm going to. I'm going to decide who I'm going to receive correction from. I'm going to decide. I don't know if I'm going to receive correction from this one. I don't really know if I like this. I, I'm not going to receive that. That's, that correction is wrong. Really? How, much, how long would you hang on to a car that decided what correction it would receive? <laughs> how long would you receive that? How long would you, would, you, would you keep driving that car? If you say, I want to turn left, the car says, no, I don't want to turn, I don't want to turn left. I want to go straight. <laughs> if you had to keep fighting that car as you're driving on down the road, what are you going to do? Either fix it or that car is gone. I'm not getting behind that wheel anymore. But see, that's what we're doing. You don't get to pick and choose. If you see it in the Word, you need to correct it. Now, these people, pride is being removed. Pride is being removed. Still, there are some there, but it's being removed. And there is limited steadiness. There are some, but it's limited. They can be swayed. They can be moved. You need to be unswayed. Unswayed. Now think about it in, in these kind of lines. In whatever it is that you, that you do, whether it's a musician, whether it's Nikolai practicing the piano, Nick practicing the drums, Jolly practicing, now he's got to practice the bass. He's practicing the drums before, now he's got to practice the bass again. He's just got to, probably had to practice both of them so he stays up on, on those things. If you're doing that, my wife, when she was a dancer, practice and dance. Whatever it might be that you're, that you're doing. You've got you to gotta stay up with it. You've got to keep on going. Christian's getting ready to go into the Navy. He's got to keep lifting the weights. He's got to keep doing the sit-ups. He's got to keep doing the pull-ups. He's got to keep running. He's got to keep swimming. He's got to keep all these things up. You gotta, but there's always things that are going to come along to try and keep you from doing those things. Right? The idea is that nothing stops you. Nothing. What is it that stops you? See, in this stage, there are some things that will stop you. There are some things that will pull you out of your love walk. People being stupid can pull you out of your love walk. 
People being ungrateful can pull you out of your love walk. Here's the third group. And those who wait to be served. Going back over to Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Then he went out again by the sea, and the multitude came to him. He taught them, and he passed by. He saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. Now it happened as he was dining at Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, How is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you keep on going in this chapter, you're going to find this trait of these Pharisees, Sadducees, and these groups. They keep saying, why do you do that? Why do you not fast? Why do you pick grain on the Sabbath? Why do you, they're always, everything they see, whatever they see them doing, they question it. They're coming after them. This is what people do who are in this category. They are waiting to be served. They're waiting to be helped. This is what they want. Those who wait to be served. How many of you know people who sit around waiting to be served? We've had this conversation before at times. You know, when we, when we do things here at the church, when you do things here at your... How many have done things with your family? And you have... When family members come over and you get a big whole thing together, a whole bunch of family. Anybody? How many people do that? I know Phyllis does. You guys have that going on. All right. And when you have all those people come together, you already know which ones are going to help with the dishes, which ones are going to help with the cleanup, and which ones are going to sit and watch TV. Don't you? You already know that before the, the whole group comes together. Because every time you come together, who's, who's going to help? Well, we can count on so-and-so and so-and-so. They'll help us out in the kitchen. They'll help us clean up. They'll help us set up. No, they're useless. Right? Don't you know that already? They just sit around waiting to be served. And the same people. Why is it always the same people? Why always the same people? Because it's a mentality. You've adopted a mentality. There are some people who have a mentality, I cannot just sit around when there's work to be done. There's other people who have a mentality that says, I can sit around. <laughs> don't you expect me to do a thing. I, never, I didn't say I was going to do nothing. And I'm not about to do nothing. And they're totally content. And you, you, know, you try and want to make them feel uncomfortable. Boy, we sure could use somebody to help. And what do they do? I hope you find somebody. <laughs> right? You, you try, we need to get so-and-so. We need to get them busy. We need to get them doing something. They're just sitting out there on their butt, doing nothing. It's the thing that they learn. It's where they're at. They're in the third category. There's some traits. Well, I'll go to this part. Do you... These people want you to always do something for them. If you do something for them, I don't like it like that. You know I don't like the cranberry sauce done this way. When I have cranberry sauce, it needs to be done this way. I don't like the gravy lumpy. How come the gravy's lumpy? Right? How come the stuffing has raisins? You know I hate raisins. Why is there celery in the stuffing? Now, see, I can appreciate that. I can understand, because I despise celery. I think celery is made for rabbits and no one else. 
No, no one else should be subjected to celery. That's my opinion. Now, there are other people who don't share that opinion. My wife likes celery. I don't know why. It has no taste, except for a little bit of bitterness to it. It is absolutely no nutritional value at all. It's useless to eat celery. I'm told it takes more to digest celery than it gives you as far as calories is concerned. So if you eat a whole lot of celery, you will lose weight. No doubt you'll be sick. I mean, that's just terrible stuff. But, you know, if we have celery and there's, there's there, or if we have, yes, um, stuff in it and there's, uh, the stuff in it I don't like, I just either pick it out or I just swallow and eat it. I don't care. <laughs> I generally pick it out, but I don't sit there and make a fuss over it. If there's mushrooms or something in there that I absolutely can't take, I just, I, just, I don't need any more of that. Thank you. <laughs> we don't sit around here and complain about it. My wife will tell you, I don't complain about the, the if I don't like it, I don't eat it. So I'll just do it. You know, if this, these folks, they have this, this thing. If this offends you, it's your problem. Mm. Right? How many of you ever got offended at some of these people? And they sit around, it's your problem, not my problem. It's your problem. But you don't have that because if you feel like if you offend somebody, what do you want to do? I need to make it. What can I do? I'm, I'm, I'm so, I didn't mean to offend you. Uh, you're concerned? These people, what are they doing? I don't care if I offended you at all. It's your problem. It's a mentality. It's a mentality. It's, it's just part of the thing that's there. Your report, if you're in this group, surely no one here is, right? <laughs> at least no one's going to admit to it. Your report of others is mostly negative. Or underhandedly positive. Right? Oh, that's such a pretty dress. I had one just like that 10 years ago. Right? Give you a compliment, but you know that was not a compliment. That's what they'll do. That's what folks in this category will do. Isn't that right? When, I mean, you know who they are, and you've got the family, you've got the people coming together, and you know this is what they say, and this is what they do, because it's a mentality. You see God's blessings as out of reach and for others. These folks will talk like they are promised. They will talk like they are theirs. But in reality, they believe that they are out of reach. It's just not for me. They're for other people. But I just can't have them. Correction is unheard or resisted. Have you ever corrected Uncle so-and-so? You know, you really ought to stop sitting on your butt when all this stuff is going on. And what happens? He doesn't even get phased by it at all. Doesn't do a thing, doesn't change anything. Why? Because correction is unheard and resisted. They are full of pride. These folks will change in an instant. In an instant. There is no steadiness. There is no consistency. In an instant, they will change. They will like you today and hate you tomorrow. And it may even come back to like you again. Is that not describing these people? Isn't that what they do? Luke chapter, or John chapter 6, verse 25. John chapter 6, verse 25. What time have we got? Are we doing okay with time? Okay. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. You're not here because of anything that's spiritual. You're here because you think you're going to get more food. 
Isn't that why those, those folks are sitting on their, their, they think they're going to get food. If they're at home and they're sitting on their butts, are they going to get any food? No. But see, they come out here with you, you'll cook for them. Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Therefore they said to him, What sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, most surely I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gave you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that all, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. And the Jews then complained about him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They just sought him, didn't they? They came and traveled far. We were trying to find you. We were looking for you. We are trying to find you. And they, they find them. And now they're complaining. Change in an instant. Just like that. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? See, we're not going to receive correction. Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It is written in the, prof in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that, I, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. <laughs> there you go. You want some of that food, you'll die. <laughs> this is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, Most surely I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. They were hung up on flesh. Now he's talking about blood. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood his, has eternal life, and I will raise him up the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, I, I, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, and not as your fathers ate the manna, and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he says in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples, his disciples, not just called anybody, his disciples complained about this, he said to them, Does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend from where he was before? 
It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But they are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the thing with Peter. I don't know what you're saying. Peter does not know what he's saying. I, I don't know what you're saying. But I believe that you're the Christ and you have the words of life. So I'm going to hang out until I can figure it out. I'm going to hang out here until we, we say this. Now, look, if you go back through and you read this, we kind of just read through it real fast. Does it seem that Jesus is being a little antagonistic? Doesn't it seem that way? And you think you've got to be nice to everybody. Follow the example of Jesus. That's all you've got to do. Jesus is actually antagonistic to this group. Because he says, you're following me just because you want bread. I'm not going to give you none. In fact, I'm going to give you a lesson that you're not ready to handle. Let's see what you do with it. Well, how should they have handled it? Okay, we don't understand this, but we're going to hang out until we do. That's how they should handle it. What did they do? We don't understand it, so you're wrong. And they, they walked off. See, it's, they're inconsistent. They're all for him one day, and the next day, see ya. Because they're in the wrong group. They are wanting to be served. But let him, uh, James chapter 1, verse 6, but let him who ask in faith, With no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Don't be double-minded. You've got to be single-minded. How are you going to do that? Get to be a servant. If you become a servant, not a worker. There's a lot of workers in the kingdom. He needs servants. You are not called to be a servant of men. You are called to be a servant of God. You've got too many people who are servants of men, not servants of God. And we've got a whole lot of people who want to be served. Don't patronize people who want to be served. If they have an attitude and they want to be served, what should you do? You know what? Get it yourself. Okay? You have, you have the pastor's permission to do this. If people expect you to serve, stop. You're following Jesus' example. Jesus, in this story, faced people who expected him to serve them. And what did Jesus say? I'm not here to serve you at all. I'm not here to do that at all. Here, you want something? Take this. And he gave them something that was too hard for them to handle. And they walked off. Is Jesus broke up? Does he chase after them? No, he turns to his 12 disciples who stayed. And he said, you guys going to go too? I mean, go ahead. If you want to go, leave. Go ahead. Is he bothered by this? Yeah, we get bothered by it. No, if they come back, they're going to come back as better people. That's what he needs to have happen. As long as you stay in that mode, as long as you stay in that mentality, it's not going to change. God does not need more workers. He needs more servants. Servants of him. If you are a servant of men, you are a worker. 
Don't be that way. And if you're one who wants to be served, that's not right either. Jesus is teaching about that. Don't be here to be served, but to serve. Son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. But to serve. People who practice an attitude of you need to serve me are practicing an attitude that God resists. And if you keep it up, that's not going to be good. Now, we already stepped on some toes. you mind if I step on a few more? Do you want any correction? Yes. <laughs> I mean, come on, if we're going to get it right. Understand this, folks. I don't step on anybody's toes. I don't correct anybody because I want to be right. I, I do it because if I don't, I get held accountable that I didn't do it and that you guys are going the wrong way. How many of you all want what, what you do to be rewarded in heaven? Aren't you, how many of you are serving God right now and you expect that what you do, you'll be rewarded in heaven for? And you've got to have the right attitude about it. Because if you do work to God in the flesh, what's the word of God say? You're going to reap in the flesh. You're not going to reap in the spirit. If you do it in the spirit, what are you going to get? Spirit. But you see, folks, a lot of times we are serving God. It looks like we're serving God, but we're not. We're serving ourselves. Get out from underneath the deception. Get it corrected. You may, if you're going to do it, you may as well do. You may as well do it right. You may as well do it where it's going to benefit you. You may as well do it where it's going to help you. You know, if we come together and we worship, you may have shown up for worship. You may be here for worship. That doesn't mean you were worshiping. If you're going to be here, you may as well do it and get credit. I mean, right? He who worships me must worship in spirit and in truth. Yeah. So do it right. Get it done in the right way. Because you can do it the wrong way. You know, you could be an usher. Serving God in the church. Being an usher. Back over there smiling. Good to have you here. Nice to have you handing out the bulletins. Shaking the hands. Leading people to the chairs. Doing the offering buckets. Doing all the things that need to be done. And inside... Can't stand these people. I mean, that one, they just stepped on my foot and didn't even apologize for it. That one over there, I mean, completely ignored me. Just walked right on by like I wasn't even here. And you can have an attitude, right? What happened? I went from serving God by serving people to serving them. And that little change means, what's it mean? I get nothing. <laughs> I get nothing because I'm serving Myself. All right. We're, we're still okay? All right. Now, sometimes we, we have folks that like to bring in instruments. How many like to bring in tambourines? Nobody wants to confess. All right. <laughs> we want to bring in tambourines. We want to, we want to play. Let me ask you this. How many people... Don't raise your hand. This is an inside hand one. How many people have ever brought tambourines into the church have ever asked someone on the worship team, is what I'm doing helping? Anybody? You know, just inside, inside voice, inside hand. We got different people that are in charge. You know who's in charge of our instruments? No one's got talent that way. <laughs> Nikolai's in charge of our instruments, folks. If you want to do a tambourine in the church, ask Nikolai how you can do it so that it benefits the thing. What's the word of God say about tambourines? You don't know. 
You don't know what the Bible says about tambourines? It says in the Word of God that if I make an uncertain sound, I am like a clanging cymbal. Doesn't it? So what should your sound be? Come on. It should be certain. How is it going to be certain? You know how our worship team makes certain sounds? They show up on Thursday night and they practice. If you want to play the tambourine, you ought to check out with Nikolai. Well, I don't want to, but then you're serving yourself. Well, hello. <laughs> Brother, uh, I think it was Brother Keith who told a story one time in, on, on um, uh, uh, church. Uh, it was either Brother Keith or somebody. But they t- told the story. And I, this, no, it wasn't him. It was some other pastor. He didn't, want to, he didn't want tambourines in the church. And there was a tambourine player. They were in the front row. And they would play the tambourine. And they say, we're not playing the tambourine in the, in the church. We don't. He didn't want it up there on the stage. And I think uh, sometimes she was even up there on the stage playing the tambourine. pastor said, I don't want that in the church right now. And so um, she was off the stage. So first Sunday, Sunday came in, pastor was in there. And she brought out her tambourine during the middle of the service, playing the tambourine. And she was standing over here in the, in the church. wasn't on the stage. It was over here. And then guys kind of got closer to the stage. They got closer to the stage. And then all of a sudden just turned around and backed up. Is that the right attitude? <laughs> you weren't listening to that when I heard it? Oh, man, I must have heard that one one of the times I listened to one of my own. Yeah, that's the wrong attitude. How many of y'all like to clap? I don't just pick on tambourine players. How many of y'all like to clap? Yeah, I like to clap. I'm just not good at it. I would not be good at a tambourine. I am not good. I know it. I, there are my limitations. I have absolutely no rhythm at all, and I, I admit it. I, I have no rhythm. I don't, I don't pretend to have any. If I clap, I'm following somebody. You know, do, do I clap on the beat or off the beat? Neither. <clears throat> I'm around the beat somewhere. Because <laughs> I, I, I have no, no rhythm at all. I'm not going to ask Nicolay. Nicolay, how can... Because he, he could tell me instructions. I couldn't follow. And I, I realized that. And I back out. But if you want to clap, you can go up to, up to them and say, how can we help you best in clapping. Ask them. Because isn't it better if we're working together? What if we're all just... Well, just think about this way. We're, we have words in the song. They're all leading us a song. What happens if Ethel decides, I don't like this song. I'm going to sing covered. I'm going to sing my own song. I like, my, I like this song. I'm going to sing this song. And she does her own thing. What are we all going to do? Because Ethel, she's got a voice. I'm laughing. She's like, I mean, if I sing another song, you may not even know. <laughs> but if Ethel sings another song, you're all going to know it. You're all going to know it. And it's going to be, what, what, we th- what, is, what is she doing? See, we need to do things in together. If you want to help, talk to people. Find out about it. If you want to, if, if, if you want to do vocals and you're in the, in the congregation, who should you talk to about that? Well, Alyssa takes care of the vocals on the, on the stage. Talk to her about it. How can I do that? You want to? You want to? I don't, because I don't know if I'm doing a bass part, a tenor part, or I might even be doing a soprano part. I don't know. I think I'm singing melody. I could be wrong about that too. I may be maybe completely off on that. But you need to find out. You know, work with each work, work with each other. Don't just do your own thing. You know, if the ushers come on over and they have the bucket and they bring in the bucket over to you and you know I'm supposed to take this bucket and pass. I don't want to today. Pass your own bucket. Doesn't that cause a problem? 
Yeah. Because it, and it's an attitude issue. If you truly serve God, then all you want to do is what helps God. Too many Christians want to do what serves them and mask it as serving God. What kind of reward are you going to get for that? Can you imagine getting to heaven and somebody stands up there ready to get their reward for whatever it is that they did in church and God says, you did that in the flesh. It all burned up on your entry. It's all gone. Well, I, I, I come no one told me. Well, I told Pastor Steve to tell you he just never, never said anything to you. You think that's going to be good? <laughs> it's not going to be good, is it? No, so I don't want that on my head, so I'm going to put it on yours. <laughs> I mean, do it right. We can have tambourines in the church. We can have clapping in the church. We can have singing and melodies in the, in the church. But talk to people. Find out how to do it right. Find out how to get it, how to get it going. Put this in my outline. It's not in yours. But the voice of the Spirit leads us to serve God by serving others. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit. The voice of our flesh leads us to serve others, to serve ourselves or be served. The voice of your flesh says, whatever it is that I do, you just have to live with it. How many have ever been out at a restaurant with some people and, they're, and you're eating together? And How many of y'all want to go out with that people again? What? Now, you, you, you think, you're, why is it that you chew with your mouth closed? Most of you. Why is it that you chew with your mouth closed and you chew kind of quietly? Why do you do that? Does it help you? It's helpful for the people around you, right? It's, it's nice for the people that are around you. you know? So why do you come into church and chew gum? Suck on mints? Drink water? Why do we do that? Now, I can speak from experience. I have never sucked on a mint, chewed any gum, and I, I think uh, just recently I finally drank some water here in church mm-hmm. because my throat was giving me a hard time. I didn't like doing that. <laughs> Come on, folks, fix it. Why are you doing it? Because you care about yourself, not other people. Yeah, all kinds of amens today. Glory to God. Mm-hmm. We have got to improve our serve. We've got to get better at it. If I'm going to serve God by playing the tambourine, if I'm going to serve God by clapping, if I'm going to serve God by singing, if I'm going to serve God by ushering, if I'm going to serve God by being on the worship team, if I'm going to serve God by being on the computer, if I'm going to serve God by being on the sound system, if I'm going to serve God by teaching kids, if I'm going to serve God by being out there in the parking lot, whatever it is I'm going to serve God, if I have the wrong attitude, I lose everything I think I'm gaining. Get your serve down. Get it right. Just minor adjustments. But you make these adjustments, and what happens is you're going to find that these traits follow yourself. Guarantee. See, I know runners. I know runners. I don't know all the other folks. I don't know walkers. I don't know musicians. I don't know. I know runners. I can strike up a conversation with any runner, and I already know. I'm not talking about joggers. I don't know joggers. I don't know what they think. I know runners. I know what runners think. I'm thinking about today. Today and and running. I know there's no jogger out running today. None. No one who's a jogger is going to be out there running today. 
There's the only ones that are going to be out there running today are runners. Now, see, I got a choice today. I got a choice because I got ready for today. I knew today was going to be nasty. I have a choice. I have run eight days straight, and in the wintertime, I'm only required to run five days straight. I'm allowed to have a day off. I am, requ- I am allowed to have a day off today and keep up my schedule. I am actually ahead of schedule for the month. I can let my body rest and be good, but I got a problem. I'm a runner. And if I rest today, you know what I'm thinking? I gave in. I gave in. I hate giving in. I do not like running in the winter. But I hate giving in. It's a mentality that you develop as a runner. You hate giving in. I hate days off. It's not that I don't enjoy them. I'm giving in. I'm giving in. I can talk with another runner and we can talk about this stuff and we are always on the same page with these things. We always face the same obstacles. And we talk about how we overcome those same obstacles. It's always the same. If you become a servant of God, your attitude changes. If you're playing a tambourine, being an usher, being on the worship team, clapping in the service, singing in the service, being on the computer, being on the soundboard, your attitude, if you are a servant, is how can I do the job better? If your attitude is anything else, it is how can everybody else make my life easier? And how can everybody else get out of my way? That's wrong. You can fix it. You see, you have been training and you have been practicing the wrong things. And when a push comes to shove, when God says, I don't just have a training day, I have an assignment. Can you get this guy into the room? For Jesus, I need this guy healed. Can you get this guy? In the, that's my assignment. And I come to the place and I find it full. But I have an assignment. I have a mentality that says we're going to get it done. We are going to get it done. Even if I have to go up and tear off somebody else's roof, we're going to get this done. Do you have that kind of mentality? Can God count on you that no matter what, you will get the job done? That's a mentality you need to build. That's something you need to work into your training days, into your days of training and practicing. Father God, I need to have an attitude that whatever assignment you give me, I can do it and not only get it done, but get it done with the right attitude. I can get it done with the attitude that I need to have. And God says, he's ready for bigger assignments. I can count on this one. Let's give, he's ready for this. Let's put this one on him. Are you getting yourself ready for bigger assignments? Or as God keeps saying, he let me down again. I mean, these are just little things. They don't really matter a whole lot for the kingdom. But can we count on you? Can God count on you? Here's the things you've got to do, folks. To improve your attitude. First off, prove your serve. Prove your attitude. Improve your serve. Get your attitude better. Father God, I can be corrected and I will be corrected whatever it is that you say. If your word instructs me, 
If I need to do different, you tell me. I will improve my attitude about that. I will improve my serve. I am here to serve God. Whatever people do as I serve them by serving you, I don't care because I am here to serve you. Improve your serve, improve your attitude. Here's the third one, improve your reports. Watch how you make reports on other people. You will remove pride and increase humility. You will remove pride and increase humility. I heard a story that sanctification is just a fancy word. It simply means getting cleaned up and ready to use. I like that. Sanctification just means getting cleaned up and ready to use. How many of you have, uh, have, have stuff that you count on being cleaned? That you want to clean. You don't just want it washed. You need it cleaned. And so you take care to make sure that you, when you put it in the washing machine, oh, there's a stain over there. You scrub it up. You get it ready to, because whatever it is, you, you got white tennis shoes. I won't want those white tennis shoes to be clean. I want them looking good when I go to work, when I show up in those things. Be attentive. Sanctification. You are cleaned up and ready for the master's use. Cleaned up and ready. Don't ever be a place where God has to say, I need to use you. Oh, I'm not clean right now. My attitude's a little wrong. No, stay cleaned up and ready for the master's use. Whenever you need to do it, I'm cleaned up. I am ready for the master's use. Your toothbrush at home, is it clean? <laughs> when you go and grab that toothbrush to use it, do you have to think, oh, where's this toothbrush been? Do you think that? No, your toothbrush is always ready to be cleaned and used. And if it ever gets to a place where it has been dirtied, soiled, where does it go? It goes in the trash can. You get a new one. You will keep your toothbrush clean. We'll spend all that time on our toothbrush, folks, and we don't spend enough time on our own lives. I want to be cleaned and ready for the master's use. Would you all stand up with me? You still love your pastor? (laughs) Be cleaned up and ready for the master's use. Whatever you practice, you will do. Are you practicing being a servant? Are you practicing being a worker? Or are you practicing being served? What are you working on? Because whatever you practice, when God calls on you, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to do. Are you going to be Uncle Joe who sits on the sofa while everybody else is working? Are you going to be one who can be counted on? Set up tables, wash dishes, cook meals. What are you going to do? Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. We want to be servants for you. Servants of God. We want to be ready always for whatever you have for us. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in our life. To clean out what shouldn't be here. To make us ready. Father, we will have the right attitude in whatever it is that we do for you we will receive correction and instruction to make sure that what we're doing benefits all and not just ourselves. We make sure that our behavior benefits all and not just convenient for ourselves. Father, I thank you. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise reports. Got any? We got a couple over here. All right. That's for the extra long praise report, isn't it? I feel this 
story about this one. That's why I am laughing. The road service man was five minutes away and changed the tire in ten minutes. Okay. I think it's a battery thing. He deserves a huge tip, and next time I will have it to Ethan. Um, as we only had a small tip list at this time. The reason I'm laughing at that is because I had an opportunity, this is my crazy report today, that I had an opportunity to exercise patience and walk in love at two separate times this week. The first time was my mother's car broke down and called roadside assistance, and um, four and a half hours later, they picked me up and I was home. <laughs> The second time was with carpet people. They were supposed to be here between that two-hour window and two hours and 45 minutes later. They still weren't here, so patience, patience, patience. Um, but I also praise God for uh, such a giving group of people. Friday night, the, the Valentine dinner the, was just absolutely off the chart. I mean, if you can make a note of it for next year, if you weren't able to come this year, make a note. You will not be disappointed. The decorations, the food, just everything. And they'll be putting pictures up on Facebook. Um, also, the Holy Spirit, how he speaks to us, the will and the heart of God. Um, a lot of what pastors been sharing, a lot of what we've been learning. I'm hearing pastors that we know teaching the same messages. And, you know, it's no wonder it's the Holy Spirit. It's the same here today and always. But um, it's just awesome. I think it goes along with, I was re, re rereading some of the prophecies that were given about the year 2015 and some of the changes that are going to be happening within the body of Christ. And if you want to go on to either uh, Brother Copeland's site and just listen to them, um, it all goes right in line with what we're, we're talking about, how God is bringing us all up to that higher level you know, of, of maturity and of our walk. Um, and this one, I'm going to do the happy dance. <laughs> Mike and Eileen closed their house yeah. in Florida. <laughs> Glory to God. Hallelujah. I know the enemy tried to stop that a little bit, hinder a little bit, but praise God it's closed. And he says, uh, God is good to us um, to have brought us to a great fellowship of believers. And I will second that one. Hallelujah. Thank God for that.